Trigger warning. Sexual abuse and rape. If you feel uncomfortable, please immediately stop listening further. And please do not listen to this podcast in the presence of children. A toxic, prevalent part of society, child sexual abuse is often the elephant in the room. It looms large, casts a shadow, but is never discussed. This is part one of a three-part series on child sexual abuse. This is Mind Your Mornings with Anna Chandy, a fortnightly podcast that takes you on the journey to a brave new you. This is Mind Your Mornings with Anna Chandy, a fortnightly podcast that takes you on the journey to a brave new you. To know more about Anna's practice, you can log on to www. Dot .annachandy.com that's w w w dot a n n a c h a n d y dot com episode 13 hi and welcome to mind your mornings i'm anna chandy your host for this podcast Over the last 27 years I have worked with more than 1000 people both individuals and families and through this podcast I want to bring to you what I have learned about life and its nuances through the experience of people I have interacted with Today I want to talk about something which is often kept a secret in our society something which is personal to me which left me scarred till I actively freed myself from it something which therapists encounter so often it is difficult to count and something which we all need to work towards eliminating in society as mothers fathers uncles aunts and as humans today i will talk about child sexual abuse a recurrent theme which is limited to therapy rooms and more often than not confined inside the mind and behavior of its victims in india a child or minor is anyone who's under the age of 18 a study in 2018 and 19 estimated that 53% of children in india faced some form of sexual abuse a study of north america found that one in 3 girls and one in 6 boys are sexually abused there of course the exact number is difficult to determine because many cases go unreported one of the misconceptions people have is that child sexual abuse is rape however it can take many forms and in fact may not even include physical contact between the abuser and the child the broad spectrum 
of child sexual abuse of course includes intercourse, sex of any kind including vaginal, oral uh, or anal and sex trafficking. But it also includes exposing to a minor, fondling, masturbation in front of a child or forcing them to masturbate, obscene phone calls, texts, digital interaction or producing owning or sharing pornographic images and videos of children. Basically, any sexual conduct that is harmful to a child's mental, physical and emotional well-being is considered child sexual abuse. A child is sometimes lured into the abuse in exchange for food, chocolates, money, drugs and shelter. One out of six cases of child sexual abuse is about taking advantage of the child's vulnerability and not related to the sexual orientation of the person. What this means is that quite often it is about power and not sexual attraction, though it can be both. In the case of sexual attraction and its impact, it is a disease and we see it in the form of pedophilia. But child sexual abuse can also be about power. So, a heterosexual man might abuse his nephew or a homosexual woman might abuse a small boy. While any child can face the risk of child sexual abuse, children living with a physical or learning disability or a mental illness are more vulnerable. They are seen as easy preys for predators, unlikely to report or be taken seriously. As they grow, it becomes even more difficult to determine the impact of PTSD on these individuals. As a victim of sexual abuse, a child can have a long-lasting impact well into their adult lives. It shows up in their personality, the way they look at the world and the interactions with others. It's in, it influences their thoughts, beliefs, feelings and behaviour. Now, child sexual abuse is not just a mistake or an incident. Crime. Not just because it involves coercion, but because a child cannot consent to any kind of sexual activity. This detail is extremely important because it isn't just that the child is not giving consent. What is what happens with adult sexual abuse? But because a child is too young to even understand what is happening to give consent. So, if child sexual abuse is such a serious offence, why is it still clouded in secrecy? Why is it still brushed below the carpet? Why is it not taken seriously enough? Of course, there are families where this is heard, recognised and immediate action is taken. Whether that means cutting ties with an abuser who is known or reporting them. From my experience as a therapist, this is extremely rare. 
One of the reasons this hardly happens is because often the abuser or perpetrator is known to the child and family. In fact, data from across the world shows that 90% of sexual offenders are someone the family knows, likes and trusts. The perpetrator may be a family member, teacher, coach, caretaker or the parent of another child. They may not even be adults themselves. Sometimes they can be older siblings, playmate or cousin who is older to them. Now, if we are aware of who the abuser is, why do we not confront them and put them behind bars? Let's look at two scenarios that occur in such a situation. The victim, only a little child, is often scared and ashamed. They are not even sure of what is happening to them, so they tend to take the blame upon themselves. Did I do something wrong? Did I encourage it? I felt something when they touched me, so I responded. Others might resign to it and accept it. This must be normal. My parents trust them so much. I want to emphasize that this is not normal and it is never the child's fault. In this equation between the child and the abuser, the abuser is in a position of power. They manipulate their victims to stay quiet using a number of tactics. They could tell the child that you enjoyed it or that no one will believe you because I am the adult or the older one. They could also threaten the child if they refuse to indulge them. The coercion and intimidation is a common tool to gaslight the little child into keeping this their little secret. Ultimately, child sexual abuse is not just a physical violation but also a violation of trust and authority. Unfortunately, many such incidents live and die within the victims. They carry the blame and shame all through their lives. Now, in a second scenario, the child might tell their parents or caregivers. Again, in many families, this is dismissed as the child's imagination. The child is made to think that they have understood it is, is wrong. It must have just been a hug of love. After all, so-and-so is your uncle or so-and-so is my best friend. Why would she do something like this? They often gaslight, making the child believe that this is a story that the child has made up. But the child never lies. In India... As an extended family system, the person who is aware and still chooses to ignore it are called secondary benefiters. Now, these people might have observed it, been told, or might have a gut feeling about it. But the point is that they keep quiet about it. They don't address it and let it continue. Why are they called benefiters? Because these people have something to gain from hiding this from having the perpetrator around. This could be attention, money, gifts. It could also be the notion of holding the family together by not mentioning it. 
what secondary benefiters are doing is actually encouraging criminal behavior. Their silence allows this to continue and impact the ch child or children for some personal gain. Many years ago, I had a client in her 30s. After several sessions, we uncovered her past of being sexually abused by her father. She had a strong feeling that her mother knew. She had two younger sisters and decided to bring up the abuse with them. It took her one year in therapy to speak to her sisters about it. And then, after all this time, she got to know that her father had abused the sisters too. And both the sisters believed that the mother was aware of this. Now, why would a mother let her children go through something so traumatic that would impact them for the rest of their lives? I can only take a calculated guess as I did not counsel her. But in all likelihood, she was the secondary benefiter. She probably felt that she was holding the family together and desperately sought the recognition of being the family glue for, from everyone around her. But what about the child? Her trauma is not just physical. She develops a deep-seated distrust for people because the people who the child looks up to as their protector, as their caregiver, become the violator. As a society, the first step addressing child sexual abuse is to remove shroud of secrecy because secrecy brings shame with it. What we, mean, what we need more than ever is dialogue and open communication. Let's start with understanding how to spot child sexual abuse. While it may be difficult, there are some physical and behavioral warning signs which help recognize it. Sometimes the child has bruises, swelling, bleeding in the genital area, or has difficulty in walking or sitting. Pain, frequent urination, itching or burning in the genital area are other signs to look for. Children are often very transparent and reflect what they're feeling on the surface. Some of the behaviors to look for are nightmares, bedwetting, new phobias, changes in hygiene as refusing to bathe or bathing excessively, shrinking away from physical contact, school absenteeism or drop in grades. Other serious signs include depression, expression of suicidal thoughts, inappropriate sexual knowledge, and behaviors, self-harm, running away, etc. Child sexual abuse leads to a psychological issue for the victim, but by itself, it is a social issue. I consider it a deep failing in our society and the structures of protection we have built around it. Maybe it is time for us to reflect on this and why maintaining the status quo is beneficial for us. This is part one of a three-part series on child sexual abuse. In the next episode, I will discuss the psychological construct of sexual offenders. In the final part, I will talk about victims and survivors and the impact of child sexual abuse on their lives. Write into us at 
anna at annachandy.com. If you have any topic that you would like me to talk about, please write in and I will address them in the coming weeks. Thank you for listening to Mind Your Mornings with me, Anna Chandy. I'll see you next fortnight with another discovery into the mind and the meanings we make. You can subscribe to us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple iTunes. This is Mind Your Mornings with Anna Chandy, a fortnightly podcast that takes you on the journey to a brave new you.